Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Dr. Alan Laika, who is a life-transforming speaker, author, coach, and near-death survivor. Dr. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. Of course. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Well, geez. You know, I used to be a leading cosmetic dermatologist until 2019 when I walked away to help people in other ways. Now I'm a best-selling author, a speaker, and I do a syndicated radio show with 3 million listeners a month. So it's a, it's a fun existence. It keeps me busy, but on my spare time, I like to do photography and I like to go to my cabin at the lake and have fun with my family. I, I think that's one of the greatest things to do. There we go. There we go. And it's the family, kids, grandkids, all of the above. You know, I've been blessed with four daughters and seven grandchildren, and all of them live in my area. So we all get together almost every weekend. And so it's a great time. That is amazing. That is what we call living the dream right there. That <laughs> is living the dream. I couldn't have it better. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And so you said now you're an author and you um, are on a syndicated radio show, right? Yeah, I have. You know, I wrote a book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, which hit the press in 2020. It became a award-winning number one best-selling book. And then it be- because it was 2020 and the pandemic was on, I decided to start a podcast Well, the podcast became so popular, it got picked up by a syndicated radio station, and now it's a syndicated radio show. There we go. There we go. I love it. And it's the secrets of living a fantastic life. Yeah. How to live a fantastic life is the the show. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. Well, tell us a bit more about your motivation. You know, you spent a lot of your time as a leading cosmetic dermatologist, then you just made this switch. Tell us what gets you up and keeps you going every day. Well, you know, it's interesting. Back in 2003, I was walking with my wife at the happiest place on earth, Disneyland. And my wife turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you, hon? You know, for once in my life, I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. But, But she persisted. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? She said, listen to your foot. I said, what do you mean, listen to your foot? That's the stupidest thing you ever said. She said, well, listen to it. Well, my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. You know, your brain is designed to lift up your feet when when you're walking. Well, my right foot wasn't doing it. It was flapping on the pavement with each step I was taking. My wife turned to me and she said, did you have a stroke? I said, dear, if I had a stroke, I'd probably be lying on the pavement, muttering something unintelligible. Well, she said, when you get back, you better get this checked out. 
How, what do you do when your wife gives you that sort of ultimatum? You get it checked out. You get it checked out. So I started seeing a few doctors. They sent me to more doctors. They sent me to more doctors. So at the end of the day, I'd seen hundreds, maybe thousands of doctors. They had done brain scans. They had done CAT scans. They even had done scan scans. And you know what they showed at the end of the day? Hmm. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you know what a doctor does when he finds absolutely nothing? What does he do? More tests and more tests and more tests. They stuck needles into me. They did all sorts. Of, I think they invented tests just to do tests. And you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, they still found nothing. Nothing. So then they sent me to a world-leading neurologist, a brain guy, a guy who has all the answers to the complex neurological problems. So I walked in. I said, hi. He said, hi back. You better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? I've got a dropped right foot. He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Get your affairs in order. In six months, you're going to be dead. Oh, wow. This was in 2003? I, I, said, I said, really? I said, I've got a dropped right foot. I said, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy. <laughs> So I walked out, I slammed the door, and I, I said, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. There we go. That's the attitude I love. That's, That's what I love right there. <laughs> but, but you know, when you go through something like that, it's like somebody hits you in the face. You yeah. go through the phases of grief that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote in her book on death and dying. You go through anger, angry at everything. I was angry at my wife. I was angry at my patients. I was angry at my my dog. It, it was anger everywhere. Why? Because you're going to die. You're angry. Secondly, you go through bargaining. Oh, God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. But I didn't think it was listening back then. You go through denial. Now, by denial, I'm not talking about the river in Egypt. I'm talking about denial. You deny that you have everything. You know, what do you do? You know, I said, there's nothing wrong. And I started working harder and harder and harder. But then my right hand started not working right. It couldn't grasp the surgical instruments that, that I was using. But, you know, I was smart. I learned to be a left-handed surgeon from being a right-handed surgeon. And I even invented tools so that I could be a left-handed doctor. You know, being left-handed is totally different than being right-handed. Yep. And the scissors don't even work properly, et cetera. So I had to invent them. Then you go through depression. Have you ever been depressed? I would like to say no. Good, because it's an awful space to be in. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You just have no appetite for living. You lay in bed staring at the ceiling all day and, and you say, why am I going to do anything? I'm going to die anyhow. But, you know, I wasn't going to let myself die from ALS. It's a terrible death. You end up gasping for air. I even had a plan to kill myself. Mm. But before I did that, I went to my wife and I said, dear, what do I have? She said, I haven't got the faintest idea. She said, you're smart. You'll figure it out. 
But I said, dear, I've seen hundreds of doctors. They couldn't figure it out. And she said, well, guess what? I don't think you've seen the right doctor yet. Mm. Well, back in the early 2000s, something new was invented. You might have heard about it. It's called the internet. You ever hear of that? I have heard of that, yep. <laughs> well, they invented the internet, but they didn't invent Dr. Google yet. You see, the internet back then was very primitive. You had to get on with dial-on connections. You had to put a phone that, on a cradle. Well, you had to put a phone on a cradle, and then it would make a, a terrible sound like this, while connected to the other side. And if it connected, which it only did one out of five times, you got to the other side. Yeah. Now, that sounds crazy, but that's wow. what we did back then. But you know, I had friends that were nerds that helped me navigate the thing. And they found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, that had a story very similar to mine. His name was David Martz, but he got worse much more rapidly than I did. And he was on his deathbed within a few weeks of his diagnosis. And, and you know what happened then? Doctors from around the world were coming up to say goodbye to David. He was loved by so many people. So a doctor came up from Texas, a Dr. Harvey, and he looked at David and he said, I don't think you have ALS. David whispered, because that's all he could do at that time. And he said, what do I have? The doctor said, I think you have chronic Lyme's disease. I think you've been bitten by a tick and it's causing a chronic neurological illness that's mimicking ALS. Well, David said, what do I do? The doctor from Texas said, you don't have to do anything. I'm going to start you on treatment. And if I'm right, you're going to get rapidly better. And that's when a miracle happened. David got rapidly better. Like Lazarus, he arose from the dead. And within two weeks, he was back to normal. So I knew I had to talk to this guy. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I got in touch with David at the Methodist Hospital, and we talked for hours. And he said, can you come down to see me? I said, when? He said, right now. I said, David, I can't. It's Thanksgiving in Canada. My wife's invited 50 people over. She'll kill me. He said, aren't there any planes in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> so I went to my wife, my hat in my hand, and I apologized. I said, dear, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving. She said, why? We've got all these people coming over. I said, dear, there's a doctor in Colorado Springs that claims he can help me. That's when she turned things around 180 degrees. She said, what are you waiting for? I'll pack <laughs> your bags for you. I'll even drive you to the airport. So I flew on a flight from Edmonton to Denver. It was a great flight, two and a half hours long. Then I got on a rinky-dink puddle jumper from Denver to Colorado Springs. Have you ever been on a flight like that? I have not. Good, because that's another thing you should avoid. You see, the air comes off the desert at the end of the day, and it causes eddies, which causes turbulence. So your flight will be flying around, and it will drop 100 feet without warning. Then it'll climb back 100 feet, and it'll drop 200 feet without warning. And then it'll climb another 100 feet and drop 300 feet. It's like the drop of doom at Disneyland over <laughs> and over and over again. Now, the flight is only 15 minutes long, but it's the flight from hell. 
called off that plane and there was David on the tarmac to meet me. He said, Dr. Leica, you don't look so good. And I said, I don't feel so good. He said, it's probably a metaphor for what's going on in your life. And we talked for hours and David said some magic words. He said, Dr. Leica, I think history is repeating itself. I think I can start you on treatment and make you better. And that's why I was able to stay as a leading cosmetic surgeon till 2019 when I walked away to do other things. Mm. Now, when you do go through something like this, you start to wonder, did I do the right things in my life? Did I live? Did I love? Did I really matter? And you know, when I went through that, I started to give back more to society. And I sponsored an event called the Women of Distinction event for the YWCA. And there, I, a wonderful lady by the name of Harriet Tinka applied for an award. Now, Harriet had a story even more dramatic than mine. She was a world-leading model walking the runways of New York and Milan and Paris, but she grew tired of that dog-eat-dog -dog industry. And she said, I'm going to quit this. And she wanted to become an accountant at the University of Calgary in Calgary, Alberta. So she went to school. And there she was befriended by a person who turned out to be a psychopath who kidnapped her, stabbed her, and left her for dead. Oh, my gosh. So Harriet ended up at the hospital. She doesn't know how she got there. But when she got there, a little girl wheeled up in a wheelchair. Her name was Amber. She had lost both of her parents in a car accident and the use of her legs. She asked Harriet for her story, and Harriet told her her story. And that little girl called Amber gave her help, saying, why are you wasting your life? You should be empowering other people. So Harriet had applied for an award for the Women of Distinction, not to win the award, but to meet me. And she wanted to meet me to convince me to write a book with her. So that's where we wrote this book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And it came out in 2020, just at the start of the pandemic. Now, my goal was to go around the world speaking about the wonders of the things we found. And the problem was you couldn't speak anywhere. Yep. Everything stopped for two years. So I started a podcast which became a syndicated radio show. And that's why I'm doing the things I'm doing now. It's been a wonderful life. I didn't plan it that way, but that's how it turned out. That is amazing. Absolutely epic. I'm so glad you told that whole story. Like, oh my gosh. That I is, know you're I'm, giving I'm, your you're giving your head a shake and saying there's no way that could be true. I just but, yeah, I just went on a roller coaster. <laughs> like it's what? Like that oh flight to, it's like that flight to Colorado <laughs> Springs, up and down, up and down. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's amazing. And so that's the whole story behind the book and your near death experience. Yeah. Coming out on the other side. Coming out on the other side. But that also is the reason I wrote this book. And in this book, there's some real neat things. And, and I got to share them with your audience. Could you, would you let me? Please, please. Okay. Now, Harriet and I found 
golden girls that are in everybody's life. Now, Timmy, do you know what causes a pearl to form? I do not. Okay. A little grain of sand gets inside of an oyster, and that oyster gets irritated. Now, it doesn't traumatize that oyster. That oyster's smart. It walls it off with this beautiful material called luster, which forms a pearl. Now, golden pearls actually exist. They're in the South Pacific, but they are so rare. A solitary pearl costs upwards of $10,000. Now, the golden pearls that Harriet and I found inside of people are even more valuable. They are beautifully formed. Now, I wanted to call them golden nuggets, but Harriet said, no, that sounds too much like McDonald's to me. I want to call them golden pearls. And so that's why they're called golden pearls. And you'll see them on the book here. All those beautiful golden pearls right on the cover there. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love that. And we've got 13 of them in our book. 13 beautiful ones. They start with love and they go all the way to empowerment. Now, each chapter starts with a quotation. And then it goes with the story. And then there's the dialogue that Harriet and I had while we were writing the book together. So this is an epic book. It's different than every other book you'll read. And it's like an, healing an onion. The more times you read it, the more you'll get out of it. Mm. And I'm going to share the quote at the beginning of love. Love, I believe that dreaming is stronger than reality. Desire is more potent than apathy. Hope is more powerful than despair. Joy always triumphs over sorrow. That laughter is the ultimate cure for mankind's foibles. And I believe that love is stronger than hate, the greatest gift of all. How do I know? I've been fortunate to experience them all. Mm. I love that. I love that so much. Well, tell us a bit more about, so love is the first pearl. Love is the first pearl. Yeah. Are we going to go through all 13 right now? No, I think that'll be too boring for your things, but I'm going to share a story from my book with you. Please do. Let's share the story of enthusiasm. See, there is this carpenter and his name was Fred and he worked for the same company for 45 years. And he was tired. He said, I can't do this anymore. So he went to his boss and said, boss, I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. His boss was taken aback. He said, Fred, you're my master carpenter. What am I going to do without you? And then he thought for a minute and he said, Fred, can you do one more thing for me? Only you can do it. You're my master carpenter. Fred begrudgingly said yes. He, but Fred's heart was not into it. He dragged his ass to work every day. He barely got the job done. But at the end, a miracle happened. His house passed inspection. So he went back to the boss, gave the keys to him from that last house, and said, I'm done. The boss said, hold on. He's gathered everybody in the office together. They had a great party. They popped the champagne. They had the caviar. They had this great party. And then the boss said, everybody gather around. I'm going to give a speech. He said, 
this is Fred's last day. He's going to be extremely happy, but I'm going to be very sad, he said. But Fred, I've got a gift for you, he said. Here's the keys to the last house you ever built. May you live in it with all the enthusiasm you've shown me all the years. Now, the reason I say this is enthusiasm is not a Monday thing. It's not a Friday thing. It's not a Tuesday thing. It's something you bring to the task every minute of every day. It's the game changer. And if Fred had built that house with the enthusiasm he showed all the days of his life, he would have lived in a mansion. But here he was living in something far from that because he lacked the enthusiasm that was there. Mm, that is a really applicable aspect of life for I'm sure a lot of people listening. You're going to your job, maybe you're running your business, you're showing up for your family, you're showing up for your friends. And when you lack the enthusiasm, the quality of life that you build is like that house, right? And so I really appreciate that story. You know, Timmy, you gotta be there. You gotta be there 100% of the time. When you're with your friends, when you're with your spouse, when you're with your girlfriend, you got to be there. Don't be on your cell phone. Don't be doing this and doing that. Spend the time and do the right things. When you're at your job, do it. You know, Mark Spinks, one of the greatest swimmers in the world, said, I get in the water and I swim. He yeah. wasn't playing on his cell phone. He wasn't thinking of social media. He wasn't thinking of anything else. He wasn't thinking of the medals. He swam. That's what he did. You know, you got to do that. If you want to be the, if, if you're a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper you can be, you know, do the best you can. You know, when I was a cosmetic doctor, I was the best I could be. And for 30 years, I led the pack. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's definitely something to that. And um, hard work just puts you, I feel like it, you get to a, a level of life where it's like, okay, you know, there's money, there's status, there's fame, there's all that good stuff. But hard work puts you among high quality people who also do hard work and also bring that enthusiasm to their work. And um, it's just more pleasant to be around a community who are all diligent, right? So I, I'm going to share a couple other secrets with everybody. You know, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. You know, crap is going to happen in your life. Now you can be a victim or a victor. Be the victor. Always be the victor. Always choose to do it right. You know, Henry Ford, was when he was inventing the automobile, was told by his engineers that it was impossible. And then by month nine, they said, oh, that's so self-evident. It's, it's yeah. Thomas yeah. Edison, was in, when he was invented the light bulb, failed thousands of times, but he never failed once. All he said is, I found something else that didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Don't be a victim of your circumstances. Take Never, them. You know, if you get knocked don't. down, get back up again. You know, don't don't let it keep you down. You know, there's no problem with failing. Everybody does that. But if you become a failure, that's the problem. 
Yep. If you integrate it into your brain and become a failure, you, that's the problem. Don't let that happen. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, now we're going to jump into our next section, which is all about dreams and goals. So what is your vision for the book and your company podcast moving forward? You know, it's an, a wonderful life and it's amazing how the pieces come together. I would love everybody in the world to buy a copy of my book and because it will help them. And if they follow the steps in it, if they follow in that, I can pretty well guarantee their life will change for the better. Now, as far as what's going to happen to me, you know, I've, I'm developing other parts of my show. I'm now developing a business part of my show. So I'm going to be um, interviewing business leaders. I'm now, I've been asked to do a television show as well. So I'm going to be doing a TV show as well. I, I, I've been in my, uh, PR agent is trying to get me a serious radio show. So he's trying to get my show on serious radio as well. So yep. the answer is things keep growing. Things keep expanding. Things keep getting better and better. I can hardly wait for tomorrow for all the exciting things that are going to come on. It's, it's, as I say, what do you do? The answer is it's wonderful. And if you help it come along and you have a positive attitude, things come to you and things grow for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. There we go. There we go. Well, if there are one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person that would really help these dreams and goals come true, who would they be and how would they help you? You know, there's a couple of people I'd love to meet. Uh, one is a person by the name of Warren Buffett in uh, Omaha, yeah. Nebraska, who is one of the smartest businessmen on the planet. Uh, I've followed his books. I've read all his books and I've been amazed at the things he's done all his life. It's truly, he is truly one of the best investors ever. And I'd love to meet him before he passes away. It would be a wonderful thing. Another one is Bill Gates. I'd love to meet Bill Gates. He's such a brilliant man who has done so much. And I don't want to meet him for myself. I would love to meet him so that he could help me with my uh, charity that I started called the Canadian Skin Cancer Foundation, which goal is to have a world without skin cancer. We send children to schools to educate people about uh, skin cancer and that's for grade five. And I would love to have enough volunteers to go around Canada and the United States and Australia and around the world to tell people how to prevent skin cancer so we can have a world without skin cancer by the time I die. So Bill Gates, because of his foundation, can help me with that. So if Bill, if you're listening, reach out to me and get to me because I would love you to help me with that because we already have the mechanism in place for it to happen. We just need more people and some more money to make it happen. And it will be something that will be a fait accompli. There we go. There we go. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Awesome. Well, now we're going to jump into the thriving three. And our first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. You know, that's tough because I read a book a week and the books change all the time uh, every time I, I'm doing this. You know, also because I interview so many authors on my, on my show, I have books everywhere. 
So the answer is I don't have a favorite book, but I would suggest for everybody out there, if they haven't read it, they should read the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Absolutely. Because it, it is a classic book and they need to read that so they can get their brain together around the concepts of it. Because those concepts in there, the success principles in there are golden. And if you follow those principles in there, they will change your life. Simple as that. Uh, podcasts, there's many out there. I don't watch that many podcasts because I, I produce my own. But the answer is I'm always learning. I'm always doing things. So I skim across podcasts across the network everywhere. So I can learn better ways to interview people. So I can learn skills to do that. And so that I can learn different techniques. So it's a wonderful life. And I keep meeting people. I'm probably on five or 10 podcasts a week, in addition to doing 12 shows a week. Mm, there we go. I love it. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? You know, I always say the following thing should happen in people's lives every day. One is you should do something selfish. You should do something just for you, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's going for a walk. And I think you should combine it with number two, which is something to produce sweat every day. If you sweat every day, it helps to keep that body in good shape. You know, man was meant to work in the fields, not just in this mental headspace all day long. And if you don't do that, your body's not going to do very well. Number three, you should do something selfless every day. If you don't do something selfless, you're cheating yourself. So I'm going to even challenge your audience to do something for somebody else today that you wouldn't regularly do. That's where you get value in your, in your life and value in your world. Do something, reach out and pay it forward. You know, it could be as simple as going to your neighbor and giving them a box of cookies that you just baked. It could be as simple as going through the drive-through at the coffee place and buying the coffee for the next person in line. It could be as simple as go working in the food bank and helping put food in boxes for people who don't have any. You know, there's so many people out there that don't have anything. That's, that's sad. Yeah. Number four, you should spend a little bit of time in silence every day. You should spend a little bit of time in quiet every day and let that quiet come about. Now, some people call that meditation. Some people call that other things, but that helps you to put your thought processes together and help it to come about. And the fifth thing, you should spend some time with the great creator every day because that power of the universe is there and you should tap into it. It's far greater than anything you or I could ever imagine. And that great power is there. Just tap into it. There we go. There we go. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet Warren Buffett or Bill Gates? You know, get your voice out there, throw it out to the universe, let it be known. Now you're going to laugh at this one. I was once at the, the meeting, the, the annual meeting for Berkshire Hathaway in, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. And I went the day early to register because I didn't get my registration 
uh, uh, materials. And I was standing at the corner and there were two people standing next to me. And one guy said to the other said, hi, Bill. And I looked, there was Bill Gates. Now, I didn't know what to say because there was Bill Gates right next to me. I, I mean, it was like, wow, there's the universe, put Bill Gates right next to me. And I didn't have a thing to say. So yeah. I said, Bill, you're just one of my favorites. Thank you for being you. But here was Bill right in front of me. Okay. Now I've gone to the shareholders meeting of Warren Buffett, but the point is there's 16, 17,000 people there. So you're no way you're going to get near Warren Buffett at that meeting, but who knows, maybe sometime he'll be listening to this show and say, Dr. Laika, I heard your show. I heard about you or one of his people might hear it and say, Hey, I'd love to talk to you. You know, Part of me feels like you could just kind of, <sighs> I know this sounds weird, but I feel like you could just show up in the middle of his routine. Like everybody knows where he lives. He's lived in the same house for like 40, 50 years. We know he likes to eat at like McDonald's and Dairy Queen and stuff like that. So like when he goes to lunch at Dairy Queen, could you just go and sit with him? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm so kind and I'm so polite and I'm a Canadian. I don't think I could do that. You know, oh, I gotcha. <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't think I could do that. And, and, you know, unfortunately there are some evil people out there. So he's had to put security in his office because uh, somebody tried to kidnap himself once. So unfortunately I think there's, there's stuff that goes on that now he's had to put some barriers in the way of this, you know? So, uh, I, as I say, I'm polite, I'm a Canadian. I, I, I don't want to barge in on people. I don't show up unannounced, uh, you know, yeah. it would be nice, but the answer is I'll be polite and Canadian unless I get invited in. There we go. There we go. Love it. Well, now we're going to jump into our final series of questions, and I did not send you these questions beforehand. So if you don't know the answer, totally fine. Just say I don't know. And they require a bit of pretext. So stick with me as I read them, okay? Sure. So a lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change. The catalyst that helps people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, have anything to add or subtract? I agree with both of those because the catalyst for change often is inspiration where you get inspired by something in your life. You know, when I was a cosmetic doctor, I was inspired and things would come to me and I'd invent new things and do things all, all the time. That's why I led the pack for many years. Now, desperation, you know, the catalyst for me to change came because I was almost dying. I, if I didn't listen to the, my wife and said, perhaps you haven't found the right doctor yet, I probably would have died because chronic Lyme's disease does kill people. My friend David Martz was almost killed by that. So the answer is desperation causes answers. And, and it does cause things to happen in your life. So I agree with both of those. Now, which one should inspire you? The one that's there that's inspiring you. 
The answer is listening to yourself. Listen to what's going on. Get inspired. Move forward. How do you do that? Take a baby step. You might fall flat on your bum. That's okay. Because if you fall down, you'll get up and you'll learn from that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. And given the same amount of inspiration or desperation, why do you think some people make the choice to change and others don't? You know, that's an interesting thing. And part of it is because of life circumstances. Part of it is people fail to make that turn. You know, on my show, I am constantly bringing people on that have made that shift, that have moved forward, that have done that. And I'm also constantly budging people, nudging people to make that shift. In fact, I offer people a free 15-minute consultation with me and say, look, get in touch with my girl, Tammy, T-A-M-I, at Lyca, L-Y-C-K-A dot C-A. Get a 15-minute appointment. If you don't want to do that, write her what your problems is. And I'll discuss those on my radio show so that you'll have the answers for them. I'll answer each and every one of those so yeah. that you can get the answer. You know, I think it's partly because people have been beaten down so hard they can't get up. Now, you have to decide yourself if when you're going to do that. You know, you have decided to get up off the carpet and get to where you are. You know, I know there's a lot of prejudice in the United States. I know there's a lot of crap that goes on. I see it in my own community. Well, did you get beaten down by it? Heck no. Here you're doing this podcast. You're leading the pack. You're, you're young. You, you can go far. Why haven't you been beaten down? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love that. It's something I have tried to think about because I, I grew up and same circumstances as some friends who kind of stayed beaten down and stayed kind of in their, the life that is basically making them a statistic, right? Well, look, look how much drugs are a culture in, yep. in, in many of your friends and so on. And they take the way out of drugs and, and all that sort of thing. You know, there's a different lifestyle that you can just go, just grasp it, just move towards it. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Some people need a small amount of desperation or inspiration to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. What do you think establishes our threshold for how much inspiration or desperation we need? And can it be influenced? You know, that's, that's a fascinating question. You know, I've been to the Sistine Chapel in uh, Rome and there was Michelangelo painting the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel into this beautiful work of art. You know, you look up at it in awe and say, wow, what a beautiful work of art. How did he ever get inspired to do it? He laid on his back for years painting this, this beautiful work of art. You know, what was his influence? The answer is, was it divine? Was it just, be who knows? but it was there. What is the threshold for desperation? Well, you know, if you want to find the death of that answer, read the book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. That book shows a person that was beaten down in his lifetime. He grew up in a family 
where his father was evil, would beat his wife and beat his children. His wife had to desperately escape. And he grew up in a, in a situation that was terrible. He had, at one point had to eat out of garbage cans because there was no food around. What he did was escape into the Marines. He made his body hard. He made his mind hard. You know, even better than the, the real book is the audio book, because there's David talking to you in that audio book. And I'd recommend everybody read that book because there's so much in that about desperation. You feel his pain and you can recover because of it. You know, I looked at uh, Facebook and he's got over 70,000 followers. You know, think about that. Yeah. You know, I think you can learn a lot from others. My best books I love to read are biographies and autobiographies because they teach me about other people's lives. And so I'd encourage everybody to read those, find out from them, read all the time. You see this library behind me? Read yep. books like I have. Turn off your TV and read a book. Uh, you know, amazing. There's only a couple of things that will differentiate, differentiate you from where you'll be in a couple of years. One is the books you read. The other one is the people you know. And the third one is the places you've been to. So get out there and explore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. There we go. I really love that because <laughs> especially being like an entrepreneur, a lot of people focus on, um, you know, the daily actions they're taking, which action is a huge part of life. I'm not here to minimize taking action, but it's also like if you're taking action in a vacuum, that action is worthless. Like if you're not actively impacting other people or actively putting systems together where you can work with other people to create large impact, you know, you could spin your wheels all day. And so I really like the people, you know, in the books you read, because you need the knowledge to do it. And then you need the people with you to go on the vision, to go on the mission with you. So I love that. Awesome. We got one last question for you. So for this question, keep in mind a person with a really fixed mindset, they're not willing to accept help and they're not willing to accept change. In Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind, and the avatar I just told you to keep in your head, how can we, you and I, create an environment that makes it more obvious, more attractive, more easy, and more satisfying for that avatar to make the choice that will change their life? You know... There's an old story, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, okay? Now, I used to believe that until a farmer showed me, you can make a horse drink. And that's the way of putting salt in his oats. If you put salt in his oats, he gets thirsty. So then he starts to drink. So it's the same thing with people. You create an environment by salting their oats so they have to go to the situation that'll solve their thirst, okay? So that's how you do that, okay? It's, it's The environment comes because you make it so that they're thirsty. Dr. Allen, I don't think 
you understand how happy that just made me. <laughs> I have probably done like 290, 280 interviews asking people this question because I wanted that answer. <laughs> and that has been, oh my gosh, that has been just the best answer I've heard. I've heard really good answers, but that metaphor, the fact that you used that metaphor and you were like, actually, you can get a horse to drink water. Like that is like just music to my ears. Happy. Well, and you notice the gray temples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I oh, I love that answer so much. Well, awesome. That is all we have for you. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? You know, a couple of things. One is remember what I said. It's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. Secondly, the easiest way to make it happen is to reach out for help. Ask for it. Write me, Tammy, T-A-M-I, at Leica.ca. I'll answer you. You know, simple. Now, reach out. Don't waste another day doing the same thing over and over and over. I think it was Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting to get a different result. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. You know, it was really fun. I, as I say, I could hardly wait for the next show and the next show and the next show, because I get to share a little bit of my, my knowledge with your audience. And maybe between you and I, we can make a difference in this world. Maybe we can change that arsenic world out there, that, that world that's full of anger and full of meanness into one that's kindness and has more compassion. Maybe we can do something to make a difference. Maybe your audience will do something for somebody today that'll make a significant difference that'll make somebody else that much better. That's why I challenge your audience to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Dr. Allen had to say, make sure to look him up. Go ahead and email him, write him, check out the podcast, check out the book, share it, like it, and rate it. As we always ask, shoot this podcast over to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes if you liked the show. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.